Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Faith Lutheran Church. My name is Candace Wassell. I'm the pastor here at Faith. It is such a joy to have you visit with us. You are welcome, so welcome in every part of Faith's community. You are welcome to join us in person at worship on Sundays. You're welcome to visit us online. You're welcome in our mission, in our fellowship, and most important, you are welcome at the Lord's table. Holy Gospel according to St. John, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was stand, staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who, who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Well, friends in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Let me start by saying again how grateful I am to be invited back to Faith Lutheran. I so greatly appreciate the energy and vitality of this congregation. It really is a privilege to be here. I always look forward to being here. Even the long drive from Peoria and back is a pleasure, especially in a day like this gives me lots of time to think, at least. You know, I don't mind the drive. I think I've mentioned before that I drive a great deal as part of my work for the ELCA. From Kentucky to Michigan and western Iowa to eastern Indiana, I get a lot of car time. For that matter, there have been a number of congregations that I've served over the years that required some long commutes. 
In particular, I'm thinking this morning about Maple Ridge Lutheran Church, a little white wood-framed church out in the cornfields of east-central Minnesota. The church was a hundred-mile round trip from my home. Wow, not long ago I got an invitation for their 130th anniversary, which made me smile and also made me wince a little. When I served as their pastor, they celebrated their 100th anniversary. Wow, time flies. So Maple Ridge Lutheran is a little church, fewer than 100 members, maybe 40 people, at worship on Sunday. One of the things that made it really stand out for me is that almost all of its members were of very direct Swedish descent, something that they were really, really proud of. Part of that 100th anniversary service was done in Swedish, I remember. And I wouldn't be surprised if the 140th and 150th are pretty much the same. I was the only pastor there, of course, and in fact, I only worked 25 hours a week. There wasn't much happening from day to day. To tell the truth, I spent a lot of my time going from farm to farm, drinking coffee, and listening to a lot of stories. Sometimes I got to do something special, like they would trust me to help bale the corn or milk the chickens. They loved to kid me about being a city boy. (laughs) More than anything, though, we got to know each other really, really well. That's what got me reminiscing, thinking about some folks I knew and loved back then. This morning, I'd like to tell you about two of them, Carl and Wilmer. Now, Carl and Wilmer had a lot in common. They were both farmers. They both kept their farm places neat as a pin. They were both in their 70s when I met them. And while there were many other things that Carl and Wilmer had in common, the thing that stands out to my mind this morning the most is the fact that Carl and Wilmer never spoke to me, never, on their way in or out of the church service. Never once did Carl or Wilmer say even as much as good morning, pastor, when they left worship. Now, it wasn't that they were mad at me, I assure you. I knew better than that. Both Carl and Wilmer were as warm and as pleasant as they could be when I greeted them at the door. Each would smile broadly and take my hand in their big, muscular, calloused farm mitts. There would be a twinkle in their eyes. And their wives, Carl's Dorothy and Wilmer's Betty, more than made up for their husband's silence. No, Dorothy and Betty both made sure that I would soon get the full story on why their husbands never spoke. So here's the deal. Carl came to the United States from Sweden 
when he was 19 years old. The only son of a farming couple in central Sweden, he came to Minnesota after hearing stories about good farmland readily available, and he arrived eager to put down roots. Carl was an amazingly hardworking man, and the family that hired him on as a farmhand rewarded him accordingly. Soon he had a few head of his own milk cows, and before long he put money down on a farm. He met his wife Dorothy shortly after her first husband died. At the time they married, he was 40, she was 39. Together they had two children, long since grown up and moved to the big city by the time I met them. Now Carl and Dorothy had a beautiful farm. The pride that Carl felt about making it in the new country was evident everywhere you looked. Tractors and other machinery, very spotlessly clean and lined up along the fence. Lawns and gardens and fields were neat as a pin, not a weed in any of them. The picket fence was painted every other year, as was the white farmhouse that it surrounds. And yet, as happy and complete as Carl's life had been, there was one thing that he considered to be a great failure in his life, a failure that haunted him every single day. It was this failure that kept him silent, silent even to his pastor, silent to all but his wife and his closest friends. That failure was his lifelong frustration in learning to speak English as well as he thought he should. You see, in Sweden, Carl had been a brilliant student. His wife, Dorothy, told me of his achievements, how he had been in theater in high school, how he had given the valedictorian speech at his graduation, how he was widely known as an articulate and gifted speaker, even as a teenager. But then... Without knowing scarcely a word of English, he moved to America. And this poet of a man found himself unable to articulate even his most fundamental need. Oh, of course he can speak English, Dorothy told me. And of course he knows English every bit as well as you and I do. He's just so terribly self-conscious of his language skills that I can't get him to open his mouth and talk. You know, while Carl never spoke to me, I did hear his voice once. It was at that big 100th anniversary service. One of the hymns we sang was in Swedish. And even from my seat up in the front of the church, I knew there was a new voice there, a deep, rich voice that sang so earnestly, Trigare kan ingen vara, ins gud lilla Children of the Heavenly Father, safely in his bosom gather. It was Carl's voice, Carl's beautiful voice freed at last by his native language to soar up to heaven in praise. 
Wilmer, on the other hand, didn't speak for an entirely different reason. A year before I arrived at Maple Ridge Lutheran, Wilmer had been rushed to, his, to the hospital, his body paralyzed by a terrible stroke. The family was gathered from the news for the, from the doctor. They feared the worst. Yes, he may yet die, they heard. But even if he survives, there's no telling what kind of life he'll have. I don't know how many people told me in the two years I was at Maple Ridge, oh, pastor, you didn't know Wilmer before. You just wouldn't believe how he's changed. The old Wilmer was a talker, they'd say. The old Wilmer was a joker. That man had more stories than anyone, they'd say. And then they'd suddenly look very sad as they thought about the Wilmer that they knew since the stroke. Yes, Wilmer had survived that stroke. He even recovered much of the use of his legs and his right arm. But his speech, it never came back. He would try to speak. Oh, he would struggle and struggle just to say hello or goodbye until finally, with a look of pain in his eyes, of pain and frustration, he'd simply squeeze my hand and force a smile and turn away. And so it was to be. Wilmer, silenced by his medical condition, and Carl, silenced by his fear, his self-consciousness. So I want to ask you this morning, which of these two stories is the more tragic? I got to tell you that from my point of view, there is no question that Wilmer should lose his voice as he neared the end of his life is certainly tragic. But how much more so that Carl should choose early on to refrain from using his. In our gospel reading for today from St. John, Jesus is gearing up for his public ministry. In the first part of our reading, he was baptized in the Jordan River. The very next day, John tells us, Jesus begins recruiting his team. Next week, you'll hear a challenge to these simple fishermen. We'll save that for next week. But all of the gospel readings that we have in this epiphany season point to one clear and simple fact. Being a follower of Jesus is not for the faint of heart. Being a follower of Jesus isn't for the timid or the meek. In fact, being a follower of Jesus takes some confidence, some boldness, some willingness to speak up. Here's the truth, friends. The very mission of Jesus Christ in this world depends on his followers being willing to use their voices. As disciples of Jesus, we too, you and I, no less than those first disciples, 
are called to share the good news that God has placed in our hearts. God has filled our lives to overflowing with incredible love, amazing forgiveness, life-changing grace. And God has asked that we say thanks by opening our mouths and letting them be the instruments by which the Holy Spirit can declare what a wonderful God we have. So how will we respond? Are we willing to give words to our faith? Or have we, like Wilmer, somehow already lost our ability to speak on Christ's behalf, paralyzed by fear, frozen by long force of habit, unable to break free from our silence because of years of neglecting our voices? Could it be that we, like Carl, are silenced by our own fearfulness, unwilling to face the risk, afraid of how others might judge us if we speak about God's grace? Friends, I get this. I know it's not easy for us mild-mannered, humble, reserved, and quiet Lutherans to talk about our faith, to talk about Jesus I get that. But you know what? You don't have to stand on the street corner on a soapbox with a bullhorn to be faithful in our calling to be a witness to Jesus. Here's a game you can play if you let me invite you. Everybody likes a game, right? How about if we challenge ourselves, friends? How many times can you work something related to Faith Lutheran into your conversations in the coming week? It doesn't have to be a testimonial, your personal treatise on the apostles versus the Nicene Creed. It can be as simple as acknowledging that you go to church, dropping that little fact into conversation. Just the fact that you go to church is has become a countercultural thing these days. Or how about when on Facebook something comes out of church, all it takes is a click to share it. No comment necessary. A click. Drop a reference to your church in your conversation and let the Holy Spirit take it from there. Just see if something doesn't come of it. And if there's a spark of interest, friends, the tiniest flash of curiosity, just say like the disciples did. Come and see. Come and see for yourself what this Jesus is about. Come and see what forgiveness, grace, love all look like. Come and experience a warm welcome and caring friends. Come and see. Friends, we are called anew every day to be the church, to live as Christ intends, and to be the Spirit's instrument in declaring God's goodness and grace to those around us. I just got to believe that when we keep our eyes open for opportunities to use our words, to use our voices, you know what? We're going to find them. 
Jesus is counting on us. How will we respond? May God bless us as we speak up for Jesus' sake. Amen. The most valuable message we have to share at Faith is the promise we have in Jesus. We come together every Sunday to share this good news in the reading of Scripture and sharing of Holy Communion. It is these two acts of worship that we learn of the forgiveness, peace, and joy that Jesus has won for us on the cross. These gifts also belong to you, and we hope you will feel welcome to receive them. After we've shared worship together, we trust that we are ready to be sent out into the world to serve our neighbor, and you're welcome to join us in that great work as well. There are so many opportunities at Faith to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. It's what we feel called to do. It's what we're passionate about. Above all, I want to encourage you in your faith. No matter where you're at in your journey with Christ, you are welcome to visit faith as often as you are able. But whatever you do, keep searching. There is a church family set aside just for you. And I trust the Holy Spirit will place you right where you need to be. Mm -hmm.